Hello and welcome to Smash Hit Sports. I'm your host, Cody. The divisional round has come and gone, and we are so incredibly blessed. We get Jill back on the show the second time, returning guest. No one better to to recap this week's, uh, I wouldn't say phenomenal divisional round games. They were okay, right? Yeah. I, I like. I, I hate saying it, but I feel like all four games, somehow it was like all the same game played. That, that's... That's really how I saw it all. I And I'm going to be honest, I don't think you're wrong. Like, they were all fairly one-sided to a degree, and they weren't, I don't. But the good news is, is you hit a ton of your props on the games, and if you don't follow Jill, you absolutely should. It's at It's Jill Bijel on Twitter. It's going to, all of that will be down in the description below. You'll be able to see it. Um, and she makes phenomenal content for Vegas Insider. If you don't follow him there, you absolutely should. The Insider Minute is my favorite minute of every single day. So um, be sure be sure to check that out. But let's, let's talk first game. We'll do these in order. Mm-hmm. Jags Chiefs, one of, as far as like the scoreboard goes, probably mm-hmm. the closest, it was the closest game of the slate, I guess. Uh, they, uh, no, two games ended with seven point difference. Uh, yeah. 49ers Cowboys they both were seven points but I feel that's fair that's fair I guess this was the closest one from like a I felt like both teams could actually win the Jacks put up a hell of a fight were you like surprised by that they had the biggest line going into this weekend I genuinely was not it was so funny as I did not take the Jags they were given eight and a half points I felt like it was such a trap because I, I genuinely, I was a lot more confident in what the Chiefs were about to throw up. And then as soon as the game started, all I could think was go with my gut feeling because the Chiefs played exactly how I thought they were going to play. And honestly, the Jags played exactly how I thought they were going to play. I feel like a mother, I'm not even a Jags fan, but I feel like a proud mother watching this Jags team throughout this season. So, <laughs> Look, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that out of all the Florida teams – that Jacksonville would be the one to win a playoff game and not Miami or Tampa Bay, I would have laughed you. I I would have laughed right in your face. And they they put up a good showing. I think Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence is that dude. I think that they, I don't think we've seen the last of this Jacksonville Jaguars. No, not at all. And I, I think it really goes to show too, is one of my favorite dynamics about football teams and people seem to people talk about it, but not as much as it should be talked about is a coaching quarterback relationship. And I think it really goes to show with Doug Pedersen coming in and figuring out Trevor Lawrence's strengths and weaknesses and really being able to expound upon that and create a really good relationship because now look where they were and it's a great foundation for next season. I think the other thing too is it shows that sometimes you have like a lot of people in the off season were like, oh, Jack's overspent. Jags overspent. They paid too much uh-huh. for Evan Ingram. They spent too much for Christian Kirk. And sometimes you have to spend money to get good players on mm-hmm. bad teams. And now the now that Jacksonville's done that, I think they put themselves in a good spot going forward where you're not going to have to pay the the Jaguars tax or the bottom tier of the NFL tax just because they are at, at the bottom of that um at the bottom of the league so yeah. I, I think it's good for jacksonville to say that like obviously every team wants to win the super bowl but if you were to tell oh, yeah. tell jags fans at the beginning of the season that hey you're gonna win a playoff game and lose a close fought matchup to the chiefs like i think no one would have believed you i i the, here's the one thing i will say is and i say the jack or the chiefs played exactly like i thought they were going to play 
I think the Chiefs, I want to say in the more recent games I've watched them play, they've gotten to a point of playing comfortable. And not that there's an issue with it, but if you start playing too comfortable, teams come in and know that. And I think a big game to look at is next weekend with a very fierce Cincinnati team to go up and play against a comfortable Kansas City team. That can be big trouble. But I... I think that fortunate. I get. I don't know if fortunately is the right word, but the <laughs> Bengals have had the Chiefs' number. They know that. The Bengals know that. I don't think there's going to be any sort of laxadaisicalness into this going into this game. But I think I, I agree with you that once the Chiefs got into the back half of that game, they got a little comfortable. But the I think part of the problem is is they cannot run the football. And you look at every other team remaining in this playoffs. They can all run the football and run it fairly well. Now. I think the Eagles and the 49ers can run it better than the Bengals can any day of the week, but the Bengals can still run the football pretty well. Like they could still run out the clock. The chiefs don't really have that option. Like when they get up, they are kind of, they're kind of set with where they're at. So it'll be interesting if that's a dynamic that comes into play. Mahomes injury. Are you concerned? Like, are you taking, obviously we're going to talk about the lines and capping this game, but he sat out, he came back in. Is that something that you are concerned about if you were a Chiefs fan? Uh, I pardon, uh, please pardon my dog. Uh, he's going <laughs> to bark. It's uh, fine. We'll survive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I'm, is that is a cold shot if I've ever seen one. Yeah. I would be very concerned because I, realistically, he's your offense. The, that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is that offense. And I get that there's other players. Travis Kelsey is there. And there is a system in place. But the system is Patrick Mahomes' system. And, and if it does become a bigger injury or a bigger issue, that's that's scary. Yeah, and I think that you – like, Chad Henney came in and put on, like, a 98-yard drive. He did a decent job. But I don't know if you can get away with going to him for a full game. Like, that's – you came in. He did one. He did his job for that one drive. Looked good. I. I mean, if it's going to be Burrow versus Henny at all, I don't think that. You know, you're really. I don't think that you are in a good spot if you were a Chiefs fan. That being said, it looks like Mahomes is slated to play, but he. Part of what makes Mahomes so special is what he's able to do both within the pocket and when he gets on the move. Mm-hmm. We all remember those sidearm, that sidearm throw or that left-handed throw that he yep. had in the playoffs a couple of years ago. That is what makes Mahomes so special. And I think when you limit that, I don't think we're going to see the Chiefs offense at 100%. No. And that worries me, especially for a defense that has led up the most passing touchdowns in the NFL this season, playing against Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. Do you th- do you anticipate this game being a shootout, high scoring, I, or do we think the Chiefs say, "Hey, let's slow it down, let's control the clock," since we do have or are you know worried about Mahomes? I think there's all. So I think that the Chiefs are Chiefs are obviously going to recognize what their weakness is, and they know that they'll have to do something about it. I think another big point though is if I'm the Chiefs, and especially if I'm the defense. I want to be on the field as much as I can and maybe allow Joe Burrow on the field because that O-line that that the Bengals have is not that great. So if I can try to put some pressure and maybe shake up the offense for the Bengals, it does help out realistically on an end because it is a mental game as much as it is physical. So if you can get into there mentally, it can help change and and or impact how the Bengals play. Um, 
So I, I think that there's, I think this is going to be a very interesting game. Both sides of the ball yeah. are going to have a, have a game. It, it'll be, and you get to see two, like Biennemi is a phenomenal offensive coordinator. And we'll talk about Bengals and yeah. Luan Arumo. He's done an incredible job the last two postseasons, but Travis Kelsey is now second all time in postseason receptions. Is he one of the greatest playoff NFL players of all time? Because when you look at, he just passed uh, Julian Edelman, who was third. And I don't think that Julian Edelman should be in the hall of fame. However, people will argue it. (laughs) Hold on. So are you arguing on that side? Um, I love Julian Edelman. He is one of my all-time favorite players. So I, I will not accept any Julian Edelman slander in, in my... Okay, look, this isn't slander. I think Julian Edelman is a really, really good player. You can't tell the story of oh, yeah. professional football without Julian Edelman. However, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer if you were to base it off of postseason stats just because he's, oh, yeah. he had more opportunity than arguably... You know, 90% think, of NFL players will ever see. I think if you're going to talk in an aspect of a Hall of Fame version for Julian Edelman, postseason-wise, it's – think about where he was and how many of the absolute most incredible necessary plays he was a major role in uh, throughout his years in New England. So I think that's where you could give him a, a Hall of Fame, but in the idea of a statistic version, no. Yeah. I mean, like the the catch that he had against – um, um, the Falcons is is the, just memorialized forever. The throw against the uh, two thousand twelve, even though they lost the game against the Ravens, when Tom Brady threw it to Edelman and Edelman chucked it down the field for an Amadola touchdown. I mean, you can go on about iconic, great plays that Edelman was a part of. So yes, that is rewarding of the Hall of Fame. That, I I, I, I agree. I agree. Okay, so I I want to propose this question. Travis Kelsey is thirty three, right? And mm-hmm arguably maybe the most i don't want to say most dominant he might be the best tight end of all time i think gronk is the dominant most dominant but he might be the best tight end of all time Mm -hmm. he is third or how many receptions he has 120 postseason receptions jerry rice has 151 so he's 31 off the record i don't think he gets it this year even if they the chiefs do go on beat the bengals go to the super bowl that's 15 and 16 receptions a game like that is two postseason records back to back i don't think he gets it i don't see that happening and here the big part of it is yes the chiefs offense is absolutely crazy pass heavy you can't talk about an andy reed led offense without talking about the fact that all they do is pass the ball and exactly like you're saying they really have issues with the run game Mm -hmm. uh so part of the thing is patrick mahomes is utilizing his running backs as short slot receivers and using them to make small chunk plays with. So not all of the receptions are there for their wide receivers and tight ends to have and take because their running backs are in essence receivers. Mm -hmm. So no, I I think it would be very, very crazy for him to hit that record. If he does, I mean, kudos to him and by all means best wide or best tight end out there. But I think that's going to be a difficult task to achieve. Do you think think he'll get it before you? Oh, go ahead. They're focused more on winning the game. Travis Kelsey, a a record. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Do you think he breaks it before he retires? Absolutely. Uh, The Chiefs will be back again next year in the, in the playoffs. Let's be real. They've been in what the last four or five years. (laughs) They've been in five straight AFC championship games. I mean, it's, it's insane. 
Yes, next year we will see Travis Kelsey again, and he will he will inevitably break that record then. Oh, I he he's just such a cool dude too. Like listening to his podcast. Yeah. If we ended up with a Kelsey and Kelsey Super Bowl, that podcast is going to go absolutely bananas. I um, I love their podcast. I think it's at, they're so funny. They're just raw funny talent. Yeah, and it's it's really cool to see like that because obviously they have chemistry. They're brothers. Like it, oh, it's. Yeah. It's really cool to see that relationship, but let's talk about the Eagles. You want to talk about dominant. They were from start to finish in that game in absolute control. The Giants had no shot whatsoever is I had a couple concerns going into the postseason about the Eagles. They didn't look great at the end of the year. And I think part of that is Jalen Hurts was banged up with Gardner Minshew. Lane Johnson was out for a little bit. Are, do you think the Eagles are the team to beat? No. Right now. Absolutely not. Really? I say the team to beat right now in this moment is going to be the 49ers. And I am really excited to watch this. I truly, I look at all season. I I know I say it and I, the Eagles fans are all going to be like, oh my God, no, you're wrong. Da, 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 da. Their record and what they accomplished, I can 100% be so amazed by and I can reward you. But there is the very real thing that who did they truly, truly face that was extremely tough? Just Dallas. And to be quite honest, Dallas is a team that one week plays absolutely incredible, and then the next they're crap. So I'm not really looking at that going, that's a really hard team that you played. This defense is lethal, and I don't think that the, the Eagles are prepared or really have prepared themselves to play a team like that. So uh, I would be terrified if I'm the Eagles. <sighs> Man, see, I don't know if I, I don't think I agree with you on that. It, what the Eagles were were able to do running the football, throwing the football, with how that offensive look looked with Jalen Hurts this past week. Like Devontae Smith is everything that Eagles fans could have asked for, and then some. Yes. He has absolutely looked the part. And Miles Sanders looked great, and Boston Scott was going to score because Boston Scott, the giant killer. Crediting any of them. I, I think they all had an absolutely incredible season. I just, I truly do believe that they haven't faced, like they haven't seen a Nick Bosa. They haven't seen a defense like that. <sighs> I'm not looking at their offense. I'm looking at the 49ers defense. And what's okay. the the number one saying? Defense, defense wins championships. That's fair. That's fair. We, we have to talk about the Giants before we get okay. into that matchup though. <laughs> Obviously, I don't want to discredit Brian Dable at all. The dude coached his ass off this year. Oh, coached his ass off. But I'll be the first to admit that I had a I had a Giants win total under this year, like seven and a half. I didn't think they were going to hit it. They did. They it they fought and clawed to get there. It wasn't easy, but I. How do you feel about Daniel Jones going forward? Because now that he's won a playoff game, I think you have to stick with him the question is, is what do you pay him take for the giants to move on from daniel jones because listen i'm not gonna sit here and say he's the best quarterback that the giants have ever had but i think the idea of what brian dable has done is he has embodied what being a new york giant g-men is i i really he he has taken and i say this i, I feel like a broken record if any if people listen to me enough i say this weekly the Giants are ugly football. Brian Dable yep. took that, and he he made it good. 
and they they are good at playing very bad football. It, as weird as that is, as that sounds. So I think that they have taken the idea from Daniel, Daniel Jones and created him to be that quarterback. Because we have to also think, look at one of the most recent quarterbacks, Eli Manning. Eli Manning wasn't a great quarterback. He was just part of a system that was really good at playing ugly football and won two Super Bowls with it. So I think that Daniel Jones is almost like an Eli Manning Jr. in that sense, where he is a molded player to play bad football good. Yeah, and I don't think it... When you look at a lot of the young quarterbacks who have developed well, they've had consistency at the offensive coordinator position, consistency at the head coaching position, and they've also gotten some weapons. Like that mm-hmm. was Josh Allen when he went and developed like great head coach, great OC, like got him a weapon in Stefan Diggs. Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey, has Andy Reid, has Eric Bieniemy, like everything you could ask for. Daniel Jones is uh, Joe Burrow, same thing. Zach Taylor jamar chase like you can't at t higgins what more can you ask for he just that's all he needs get him an o-line and i think it changes well and i think also the giants need a weapon like the giants don't they spent all that money on kenny galladay and that is going to go down as one of the worst contracts in nfl history but if you were to have because that was in my the the eagles had won that game when it was 14 nothing like they're they had no shot at coming back because they didn't have a weapon outside of Saquon Barkley who could really like get you that chunk yardage which you're going to need against an Eagles defense that will get after you cuz they're they're so good at getting after the quarterback. They love mm-hmm. the NFL in sacks this year. And for the Giants to not have somebody like that, I would be stunned if they didn't go into this draft with the idea of hey, let's get us a, a somebody who can take the ball deep, take the top off the defense, yeah. especially with how bad the free agent wide receiver class is looking but Mm -hmm. i will still give the giants all the credit in the world they played a damn damn good football game and like they lost or played a good season they didn't play a great game dable made some decisions that i questioned but he had some great adjustments and i think that's one thing people can take away from it is they finally have a head coach that at a halftime can go we need to make adjustments here and actually put it into an act to action and make it work because there are plenty of coaches Cliff Kingsbury being one of them, thank God he is finally gone, who was not good at reading that room and being able to make the proper adjustments. So I, I there's a big step forward for the Giants. Yeah. Well, and the good news is, is he can make all the adjustments he wants in Taiwan and, and not worry about that over there. But um, <laughs> Thailand, close. Thailand, fuck. I, look, I... It is incredibly ironic that I'm sitting here with this map behind me and you can see it on the YouTube. Um, Go subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're listening to the audio audio version of this podcast. But uh, that is just incredibly embarrassing um, on my geometry skills there. Um, The Bengals. Let's talk about something I'm a little bit more familiar with than the world's geography. Um, The Bengals dominated this game start to finish. And obviously I'm a Bengals fan. I'm incredibly biased. Um, I was, this line really, really, like really surprised me. I thought the Bengals were either going to win outright or not cover, but six was such an odd line for a Bills team that the week before won by three against Skylar Thompson. And their secondary was not healthy. Obviously they were missing DeMar Hamlin and, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about him coming back in the game or to the, to the game, uh, to the game. But (laughs) I, I was 
I this game didn't surprise me. Like the Bengals did what exactly what they needed to do, and it's what they have done the last nine straight games that they've won. And it's play good defense, don't turn the ball over, good things happen. Yep. Uh, what? How do you feel about the Bills? Because they they so, seem like they get so close every year. I'm I'm. Uh, everyone's on this train of calling Bills frauds, and I don't I don't feel that, and I I think that's such an inaccurate statement. To play football for, you know, last time I talked with a football player, we were uh, sat down and had a real conversation. It was 17-week schedule still. And this football player was sitting here saying, it is a grueling sport. Even with a bye week, that 17 weeks, what your body goes through physically is insane. And then he was like, the other aspect of the game, and like I was saying a little bit ago, is it's absolutely so mental. So I look at the Bills as a team that, yes, they get so close each year. However, I just don't think they are... I think physically they are there and capable of playing. I think they genuinely get to a part of a mentality block, and that's what it is. Because it's not that I felt that they weren't keeping up with the Bengals. The scoreboards said they weren't keeping up, but they were still on the field. They were still trying to make plays happen. And I look at the person under center who is making the most mistakes is Josh Allen. And I truly wholeheartedly think it's not because of a physical reason. I think he just mentally gets to a point where he's blocked. So I would not sit and say that the Bills are frauds. They had an extremely dominant season. There's nothing fraudulent about the team. I think that there's just, we were talking about adjustments. I think there's adjustments that need to be made with the team for the idea of a playoff run. And Sean McDermott hasn't found that yet. Yeah, I think... I, if I were to give the Bills like an analogy, they are a – whenever you see a college basketball team going into the NCAA tournament and they there's one team every year and it's like, oh, they, re- they really shoot the hell out of the three ball. And like if they can hit their threes, they can beat anybody. But if they're off, they're off. And I yep. feel like that is what the Bills offense is, is they take these deep shots. And when those deep shots land, there might not be a prettier offense in football. Like when when Josh Allen is throwing deep, it, it really it connects. It looks beautiful, like and it hits all the right buttons. But the problem is, is when it doesn't. And I think Ken Dorsey should be scrutinized a little bit because they weren't hitting the deep shots and they couldn't really adjust from that. Like they still took them, and you you have to. But at the same yeah. time, like what was going on underneath? They didn't. Their running game non-existent. And you can say what you will about. Well, maybe they need some help on the offensive line, like the running back situation. But they, they have were a stacked running back room. So that's not. I I completely agree with you on. There's a coordinating issue because I mean Gabe, uh, not Gabe Davis, uh, Neem Hines, Devin Singletary. I, like those are some good running backs. So there's not an issue with the talent. It's a coordinating. Yeah. So I very much get your point. Yeah, I just I felt like they abandoned it early, and it was it, it was kind of it was kind of rough. And I don't know. I I hope that we get to see the Stefan. Do you think the Stefan Diggs storming off the field thing and storming out of the locker room? It, it came out that he was in there for like a couple seconds, like essentially gathered his shit, left. Somebody went and got him. Said, "Hey, come back in the locker room." Like we got to, you know, address the team or whatever. And he was back in there for maybe a couple minutes and then left again. Like, does that. Apparently toward at the, the last year he played in Minnesota, apparently there's a 
some rumors coming out. I, again, I'm, I read this. I can't say it's 100% confirmed or true or not. But uh, the rumors came out that he did the exact same thing before his ending in Minnesota. So I think that, again, there's speaks volumes. I, there, I mean, the whole painted picture, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, their best friend. And again, this goes based off of a mental part of playing the game. They were screaming at each other on the sidelines. So oh, yeah. again, I, I'm sitting here saying they're not fraudulent. They are dominant and they work when they work. There is something a lot more going on in the locker room behind the scenes than what we are all privy to. So I, I bet you in this offseason it finally comes out. I wouldn't be shocked when news does comes out, come out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think Diggs is the problem, but I think they also need additional help. Like he's he's a great he wide receiver, but yeah. I don't think Gabe, Gabe's a great three. I don't think he's a two. They need another guy. Um, I agree. Yep. We'll be interested to see if they go and get somebody. But we got to talk about the Bengals. Is Joe Burrow the coolest motherfucker in football? I love Joe Shiesty. Um it, it, yeah. So I, I, it's so funny. I'm sitting in a room. Half of this room is my office and the other half of it is a, a beautiful shrine to the Baltimore Ravens. I just appreciate you making that not your background when I have you on the show. That's I, I do. Ha- I will say there is a Lamar Jackson signed helmet up there. <laughs> Love it. Love it. But uh, yeah, funny enough, it's not even my helmet. It just fit perfectly on the shelf. Uh <laughs> Behind the scenes stuff. But so it is really funny to sit and praise a Bengals team when a division rival is kind of just staring me down in the face. A, a massive Ray Lewis jersey to be specific. So it's a little terrifying. It's, you know, the like Kool-Aid man out of the wall at me. Uh, <laughs> but this Bengals team, I can say I was one of those people at the beginning of the season. They played like dog crap. Yeah. It was not good. I was, I was embarrassed to have thought that that was a team that just went to the Super Bowl. And... They turned it around and they did, it was almost to a T, it has to be like written somewhere on the coaching for Zach Taylor's, just copy exactly last season, play awful, be at the bottom, make people count you out, and then all of a sudden go to the playoffs and to make it to the conference championships. And inevitably, I truly, like we were talking about a little bit ago, I think they do have the Chiefs number, so I would not be surprised to see them go back to a Super Bowl. So uh, I think it's just going to become like employee handbook manual is play like dog crap get way better go to the super bowl as a as a fan i would love if we didn't start out playing like shit <laughs> personally um the the first couple of weeks i had a, a friend of mine taylor come on the show and he does Bengals content we kind of talked really in depth about what we were seeing but zach taylor you want to talk about coaches making adjustments zach taylor the first four or five games of the year Burrow was under center more than he was at any point during the run last year. And Zach Taylor was like, hey, this isn't working. They corrected that. They got Joe Burrow back in the shotgun where he was comfortable. And we've looked good since. And obviously it helps when you get Jamar Chase back healthy and all of that. Oh, yeah. It it is what it is. But the Bengals really adjust well in-game and in-between games as good as some of, I mean, any of the teams remaining. I think Lou Anarumo and what they have done defensively. Obviously, we, we talked about that defense being opportunistic last year. The Titans game ended in an interception. The Chiefs game ended in an interception. The Raiders game ended in an interception. And even the first playoff game, I I hate to bring this up. I, I just want you to know, Jill, that I take no joy in this, okay? No joy in this at all. But that fumble recovery by Sam Hubbard to take that back 98 yards – 
I, if you, you could have heard me a mile from my house. My I wife and I were going all the way down here in South Florida. I, so confirmed. Uh, my voice does carry. So it, that checks out, but <laughs> it unbelievable. But that Bengals defense has played incredibly well yeah. and say what you will. Like, obviously the Titans offense wasn't incredible last year, but they played great against the chiefs. They played great against the bills and Buffalo. Like mm-hmm. this is a team that I really don't, I, I feel confident in going into each and every week, which I've never been able to say as a Bengals fan. And I love that. Like it, it's there. I feel like there are very few coaching staffs where you could say, yeah. I feel good about my staff going in each and every week. Like Andy oh. Reid, obviously you feel oh, great yeah. about Bill Belichick. Like I'm never going to count him out, but with Matt Patricia this year, I don't think I, I felt the best about yeah, it. But that was a weird. So Harbaugh and the Ravens, like well, I, honestly, I, Patriots fan, born and raised New England, grew up, mm-hmm. and obviously talked about Julian Edelman. Um, I, I don't understand why that decision is. I do get it to a certain extent of where Bill Belichick is loyal to his guys, so it makes sense that Matt Patricia, who was with New England for so long. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I still don't understand that decision and why that happened. I'm really, I'm very in limbo about what's going on with New England at the moment. I, I don't, best way to, I'm numb. I don't really have a, a no. I'm a very numb that's feeling. A good, but that's a good description. For, yeah, for the Ravens, I can say this. I, you know, I, I'm a secondary Ravens fan. I'm a Ravens fan by association. And uh, Love that. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's the best way to put it. I can definitely say I have never felt so excited for a firing, like when they got rid of Greg Roman. Oh my goodness, I it was not working. It was time to go, and I'm really excited to see what comes out of the AFC North next season. Especially with the Steelers, it seemed like towards the end of the season they were picking up. The Browns are always going to brown. That yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's yep. it. So I, between the three big competitors in the AFC North, I am excited to see that division next year. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, but let's talk about the team that gets everybody's hopes up and then loves to just get cut down at the knees. Um, the Cowboys. The Cowboys cowboyed harder than I've seen the Cowboys cowboy in a long time. And <laughs> what what the hell happened? That whole game was awful. The only thing that you should use to describe that game is a GIF replaying of uh, Ezekiel Elliott just getting pancaked on that last drive. That not even nobody knows what's going on. I've watched countless NFL analysts, and nobody even seemed to have an idea of what what was the move. Um, but that's 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 the description of that game. There's two two gifts you can use to describe that game: Ezekiel Elliott getting uh, pancaked, and then that George Kittle helmet crazy oh. up one handed catch. The, those that's it that's the whole game that's all you need to describe it what a <laughs> what a freakishly athletic play i he he never ceases to amaze me and i love the way that he plays football because he plays football like i imagine every 12 year old plays football <laughs> and that they just love football like he loves football making faces at the camera while they're in a huddle i i love it's it. great it's I hope great he that personality I, I think my wife does think that he might be the ugliest dude on the planet, though. And he, I, <laughs> I think I, I love him even more for that. Ugliest, but uh, he's definitely not one of my favorite to look at. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would agree. But he would be a blast to hang out with. Seems like a fun dude. I The 49ers, I, I wasn't, like, impressed with Brock Purdy at the end of the game. Like, he made some throws on third down when he needed to and got some conversions. Yeah. Like, he didn't look incredible but he outplayed Dak Prescott 
but I think there's also the the as much as people like to count out Dallas, and I'm one of them. Everyone does, unless you're a Cowboys fan, which I don't even yeah. think they really have any. So, um, well, real ones, real ones, I guess. But uh, Dallas's defense in the last year and this year honestly wasn't that bad, I, and uh, it's at the hands of. Mike Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, who were big players in that game, and they definitely knew how to get to Brock Purdy. So if I'm the Eagles defense, I'm watching tape and seeing exactly what the two of them did, how that pass rush worked it, because it that definitely knocked Brock Purdy down for sure. So I think that's why he wasn't as impressive, because he also really hasn't faced too terrifying of defenses. And exactly like I say about yep. the Eagles offense, I don't think they've faced too terrifying of defenses. So I think we're really going to see two teams go at it that both have major strong suits on both sides of the ball. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it ended the exact same way as this 49ers-Cowboys game in the sense that it was super low scoring and it was pretty much a defensive game from start to finish. So you think whoever's down is going to put their running back at no, center? No, 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 not that. I'm meaning the scoreboard. I, didn't, I hope not. I that hope. was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Like that... That legitimately might get Mike McCarthy fired. Uh, I I think his job was fired beforehand, so I think he was just kind of like, "F it, let me take out one of your top running backs." Well, <laughs> I I just don't under like I don't even I couldn't even conceptualize what he was trying to do. Like unless they put Zeke in as a like, yeah, we'll put him in there as an eligible player that way, or in a, like to get more speed on the field for this lateral stuff we're gonna, gonna do. Block but... a lot better than he did but i don't think zeke practices blocking much in practice so i don't know why you would have like and it's one thing to be as a running back to be able to come up from the backfield to make a block because you have momentum but to come from a three-point stance like he he had to step backwards first that you had no shot. If his first step was backwards, like it, you just momentum kept his momentum going. Already. It's Newton's, uh, like, I think it's like his third law of motion. An object in motion stays in motion. You're already going backwards. You're just making that push a lot easier. As as the en- the engineer in me is so happy that you got that correct. I just want you to Was know it that. the third law? Yes, it is Newton's third law. But, Science lesson here on, on your podcast today. See, see, this is what the people come for. Um, so let's let's last thing about you know this weekend's games, but well, and maybe I guess it is going into next week. The there has been talk that Jimmy G could be ready for the NFC Championship game, Ooh. possibly for the Super Bowl. Um, do you think there's even a chance that they switch? Because I I personally don't like what ups like if Jimmy G is not absolutely one hundred percent. I think there's no like. Why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Correct. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think Brock Purdy has been doing an absolute amazing job at leading that offense. Breaking down the three, the quarterback saga of San Francisco, all of the guys respected Jimmy G and wanted to keep playing with Jimmy G. No one wanted Trey Lance in. So, uh, unfortunately, I think there's the very potential and real thing that Trey Lance might be not a 49er next season. I think it's worth it for them not to keep Trey Lance. That's my personal opinion. I don't work in the front office. But I, I think that him going out and bringing Jimmy G in, it brought it brought such a momentum to that offense. The guys wanted to play for their quarterback. So I think when he went out, 
Brock Purdy coming in, the guys were like, we need to play for him for Jimmy. And then it became really, really fast. It was like, wait, this guy might be something. We need to play for him for Brock. So I think whether or not you start either, I truly think stick with Brock Purdy. If he starts having a bad game, you know you have that security on the bench of Jimmy G in which he already has, still has the relationships with all those same guys. He knows the plays. He knows the playbook. So I, I think start with Brock, see how it goes. If it starts getting a little hairy, switch it out. And side note to your wife with the comments on George Kittle, I would much rather look at Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> she, between Nick Bosa and Jimmy Garoppolo, I think she is a closeted 49ers fan. <laughs> Um, Joe Burrow will always be number one in her heart. And oh. I'm, I'm just glad that he also plays for, uh, like she's a Bengals fan as well. So that, that fits both of the agendas. Huh? By association? No, she, she was a Bengals fan long before I met her. She, she was a Bengals fan long before I met her. So I'm thankful for that. That's one thing we have in common, but, um, yeah, I think she would love for a 49ers Bengals Super Bowl matchup. I, I think, think it would for... be fun. Think about the just the the stories of both of those teams just this yeah. season alone. What an interesting end to both of their seasons. So yeah. I, I'm all for it. Well, and the history between that too, like the Bengals have already lost two Super Bowls to the 49ers. Um, it'll be interesting. So let's let's talk the the championship games. We'll start with the NFC since that's where we're already at. It's the first game being played. Um, 49ers at Philadelphia in the link. It'll be buzzing. I, what I want to give, uh, well, obviously not a couple thousand dollars cause that's what tickets cost. But, um, what I want to give to be at that game, the spread as it stands. And I'm looking at it right now, at least on DraftKings, uh, Eagles are two and a half point favorites and that is minus minus one twenty. So it may get to minus three. We'll see. Um, over under is 45 and a half. What are your thought? What are your predictions for this game? So, like I was saying, is I think I think we're going to see a game very similar in aspect to that uh, Cowboys game we saw this past weekend, and that I think it, it we obviously see the 49ers defense and how much they they are there, they are prominent, uh, and I think the Eagles do have a defense that is is good. I would not say they're as good as the 49ers defense, so I would very much see a defensive game where I truly think it's going to be on the more low-scoring side. I think this is a game that could very much be determined by a field goal, uh, and I am inclined to take that plus 2.5 as it stands right now by the 49ers. If it goes to plus 3, plus 4, I'm still taking that for the 49ers. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to be honest, if I'm betting either of these games this weekend, I'm probably going to bet Moneyline just for how – two points is so close. Um, yeah. That being said, I do like the 49ers plus 125 on the money line. Um, I think a lot of this game is going to be bet, well, it's your rookie Mr. Irrelevant quarterback against Jalen Hurts and what the Eagles team has done all year. While I don't necessarily agree with some of the things that like, oh, well, they haven't played anybody. Like, I, I do think the Eagles have put together a pretty good resume. I very much agree. I, and some of these guys, I mean, A.J. Brown alone has had an insane season. Uh, and Jalen Hurts, to me, turned it around. I think he was good last last season. Last season to this season, there's so much more of a development in Jalen Hurts. And I'm not knocking the Eagles. I, I'm not. I'm just – I'm. Laying it out as it out as it is, defensive game. I trust the 49ers defense yep. more. I agree. I agree. So that's that's why I'm on the 49ers. 
Um, I don't have any props or bets for any for this game at all. <laughs> Haven't really had the chance to look at it, but um, it'll be interesting um, to see what a lot of these player props come out as because both of these defenses have been really good. Um, the Eagles uh, great at getting after the passer. The 49ers have an incredible run defense. So it'll be interesting to see um, to see you know what these player props look like. Make sure you follow at it's Jill Bejel on Twitter and Instagram and uh, TikTok and all those things. Um, that way you can see her prop bets because you're damn good at them, Jill. Thank you for Thank making you. money this year. Um, but we got to talk about my team and, and the game that I'm looking forward to. Uh, Bengals at Chiefs. This, is, this game opened up. It was Chiefs plus one and a half. It is now Bengals minus one. So the Bengals are now the favorite. Um, did not think that I would be saying that this year but here we are um what are you looking at for this game uh to be quite honest i uh am terrified of this game in a betting standpoint i yeah i think as of right now as it stands i think it could go either way i i haven't actually even begun researching my prop bets yet i actually right right as we were getting ready to record i got a text message that said some lines are starting to go up so i i will definitely be diving into looking at some props but this game scares me it that's plain end and simple on it uh i think it's gonna be a nightmare i think it is going to be close i think if i'm if I'm the Chiefs, I'm terrified of seeing a team that is so good on both sides of the ball. I real realistically can only look at their one weakness, and that is an O-line issue. But their run game is great, so even without the O-line, they're still making it up and down the field. They're still getting points on the board. I, whereas I look at the Chiefs, if I'm the Bengals, I'm looking at the Chiefs. They're good on both sides of the ball, but they've had plenty of games where they've made stupid, stupid mistakes. And I tr- said this all season, too. Patrick Mahomes does not have anybody he trusts to throw the ball to besides Travis Kelsey. I agree. And you can't count on one person to help you win a game. So I, I don't think he has enough rhythm and rapport with his, all of his other receivers and even his running backs who he uses as receivers. So that as a Bengals team, I'm looking at that going, I need to limit all of chances to Kelsey because he, he gets frazzled when that happens. So I think it's an easier game for the Bengals in a sense on paper, but it scares me. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, the Bengals obviously beat this team in Cincinnati earlier this season. I'm interested to see how Lou Anarumo goes about covering Travis Kelsey, because I think, like you said, he's the number one target. I don't think Patrick Mahomes really has a great trust for anyone else, but earlier in the season, the Bengals used Trey Flowers a lot, who is, Kind of a hybrid like nickel corner football, like to be quite honest. Yeah, and I don't. It'll be interesting to see if they because he's out for this game, so I don't know who they, if they're going to use Logan Wilson, who's been good, but I don't. You can't just cover Travis Kelsey with a linebacker unless you're Fred. Fred Warner could probably do it, but he's <laughs> one of one, just absolutely different. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Lou Anarumo can do because he's. I mean, as a defensive quarter, he's made phenomenal adjustments. I will give out this one prop. I, I'm I I am going to pick the Bengals to win this game. Obviously, I am incredibly biased. So we're going to give out a prop instead. Um, I'm going to take Joe Burrow over one and a half touchdowns. The line is currently set at minus one forty five. He has hit this in sixty seven percent of his games, and the Chiefs 
are the number one in touchdown passes allowed this season. So if you're going to give me Joe Shiesty in the playoffs, I absolutely love it. Can't get enough of it. Um, he nailed so that on me... his first uh, first two drives against Buffalo last week. I love that prop. And I think 145, even at a minus value, that's pretty good value in my honest opinion. Yeah, I just, it, it's if it's hitting, which is right about minus 145 is implying about a two-thirds chance, essentially. Mm-hmm. That would be minus 150. So you're essentially saying, hey, he's got a two and three chance of hitting it, which is what he's done all year. He's already done it once against the Chiefs. And this is the the defense that has let up the most passing touchdowns. So I think it fits. It fits my agenda, obviously, because I'm an incredibly biased fan. So I'm with you, though. I, I think I truly I think this is going to be a Bengals game. Uh, and I, I would love to see the 49ers win. And like we ultimately said, I think Bengals 49ers Super Bowl would be absolutely fun to watch uh, like get because right now we're getting realistic when we first went yeah. into the playoffs somebody asked me this question and my response is if you're asking me what i would love to see my love would have actually been it still was going to be the Bengals, but i would have loved to see the vikings i think it would just been a fun mm-hmm. game to watch now that we have a little bit more of a realistic picture my what i'm leaning towards is Bengals and 49ers and i would love to see that Love it. I I would love to see that as well. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, championship game weekend. It's going to be incredible. Cannot, cannot wait. So uh, Jill and I are going to do one last thing here. And we are going to do a championship players draft. We are going to draft the best players from the remaining championship teams. That's it. It's just who we think is the best players. It's not drafting the best team from the players remaining. We are just going to draft the best players. And Jill, because you are the esteemed and honored guest on this show, we will give you the first overall pick of the championship players draft. Who are you taking and why? Defense wins championships. Give me Nick Bosa. I think he's frightening. I, I need, I want that on my team. I, that would, I would have not started defense. I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't, I'm not I, starting defense I'm here. Defense. I, I like my defense. That that's fine. I just think it's a questionable decision is all I'm, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. How can I not? I mean, come it, the fits you get, you could make him the one overall pick just based on the fits alone. So I'm going to, I'm going to take Joe cool, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr, whatever nickname you got for him. I'll take it. That's my, that's my number one. I'm going to go. And I, I, cause I know as much as you're saying, we're not basing it on the team. I'm still going to base it on the regular season performance. Quarterback wise, I would much rather have Jalen Hurts than Patrick Mahomes at this particular moment. Ooh. Not that Patrick Mahomes was bad, but I also have to take into account what's going on with that ankle. That's. I mean, you ha- you you have to consider that. Yeah, you, you I, absolutely have to consider. Because this is a very very real and serious draft. So what's going on with that ankle? Well, yeah, obviously, obviously we take everything here seriously. All right, there are no jokes on the Smash It Sports podcast. This is this is about as real as it gets. Um, that that puts me in a tough situation, right? Um, I love I love some of the defenders left. I don't know if I want to go defense this early, so we're going to stick offense. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, just an absolute weapon. I, it, he is what I aspire to be as like a fifth grader. Like he can do everything. He is the the booby miles. Like and he can pass. He's he is that good. Give me Christian McCaffrey on my team. 
Okay, I'm going to go with a wide receiver. My, my quarterback needs someone to throw to, and I'm going to take... This was difficult, like, in my head, between two players, but I'm taking one over the other. Debo Samuel. Stop. Yeah, get... I, there, I feel attacked. I feel attacked that you haven't picked a single Bengals player yet. I, it was between him and Jamar Chase, and I was like, Debo's been to enough playoff game because again there's there's a mentality there's a this That's i'm getting serious about this debo has done it i i have a bigger trust in debo samuels not that J, uh jamar chase is bad i just you know i'm in the zone yeah, that, that's fair. Speaking of trust, there's nobody I trust more with my life probably uh, than this man. I'm going to, I got to go Travis Kelsey here. I mean, I, okay. I understand like there, you got to look at the boards too, right? There are a lot of wide receivers left on the board still. I think I can get another weapon later. Um, there are a lot of good defenders left on the board. So give me Travis Kelsey, one of one. Um, I, I first tight end off the board here. Yeah, you got to go with Travis. Yeah, and um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go running back, and I'm I'm either gonna make you really well. You've already picked a running back, so yeah. I'm gonna make you happy at least. Give me Joe Mixon. Yes, let's go. <laughs> let's so go. you know what? I don't have a tight end, but I have a defensive player, so I'm good on my blocking. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I feel I feel like the standard pick here would be Jamar Chase. I feel like that's uh, that's if I were we were to get the people's opinion, uh, the people would be really upset that I'm not gonna pick Jamar Chase here. And I'm not. Um, like you said, we got we got we got to have some defense, right? If this was street football, um, you want to talk players about having an impact? Give me Fred Werner. That dude plays football with the violence that we don't see in today's NFL. Like you saw at mid two thousands, he plays with a <laughs> violence and a speed, and it makes me just want to hit somebody, and I love it. So give me Fred Warner. Um, that that gives us our four. Let, for who's your you got to pick a head coach from the four. Who's your Oof. Kyle Shanahan? <sighs> See, that's we're going in totally opposite directions. Give me Andy Reid. I give me the cheeseburger. No, but I don't want pass, pass, pass offense. See, again, I, I'm trying to. <sighs> Fine. Fine, but I don't love it. I, I. We'll see. We'll see. We'll let the people decide. Shanahan's been to enough playoff games versus all these other coaches as well. So I, I'm, I'm going with knowledge on that one. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, let, let us know um, on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to find us. Let us know who you think won this draft. Um, we'll, we'll put up a clipped version of it, of it on Instagram and TikTok. So um, be looking out for that. But Jill, I appreciate you coming on. You are the best in the biz. One of my favorite people to interact with. If you, again, if you do not follow her, you absolutely should at it's Jill Bijol. Um, one of one, the absolute best. And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe um, and be a friend, tell a friend, right? We're, this is still, we're still early in this, right? This is episode 30. We are 30 episodes deep into this. Um, be a friend, tell a friend, let a friend know if you enjoy this content, maybe they would too. Um, Jill, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for having you. me. I enjoy it every time. Uh, I'm glad we got to do this a couple times this season and I'm looking forward to times collaborating next season. Absolutely. Absolutely. We will see you guys in the next one. Bye guys. Bye.